Hi, welcome to Destiny Church's weekly podcast. We're a church located in Columbia, Maryland, right between D.C. and Baltimore. And we're so glad that you decided to listen to our podcast. If you're looking for a message of hope, purpose, and destiny, then you're tuned into the right place. If you have any testimonies of what God has done in your life as a result of listening to this podcast, please email us at stories at yourdestiny.church. We love to hear how God is impacting people's lives through what he is doing at our church. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear from God as we jump into this week's message. And it reads this. It says this, Now Jacob took himself rods of green poplar and of the almond and chestnut trees, peeled white strips in them, and exposed the white which was in the rods. And the rods which he had peeled, he set before the flocks in the gutters, in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, so that they could conceive when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rods, and the flocks brought forth streaks. Somebody say streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face towards the street and all the brown in the flock of Laban. But he took his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flock. And it came to pass whenever the stronger livestock conceived that Jacob placed rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters that they might conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. Thus the man became exceedingly, somebody say exceedingly, not just loaded, he was exceedingly, he was exceedingly prosperous, had large flocks, female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. You had no idea you're gonna hear a message on animal husbandry the first Sunday of the year. It's going to be good. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful, God, that your presence is in this place, God. You are pouring out your presence. God, we pray even now that you would bring revival to our lives, bring revival, God, to our hearts, to our marriages, to our finances, to our community. God, bring revival to this church. We are believing for a move of God in 2020. God, we pray in this moment that you would speak to us, that you would transform us. This year, God, belongs to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, amen, and amen, and amen. Before you sit down, can you high-five two people? Ask somebody, say, what are you building? Come on, ask somebody, what are, you, what are you building? What are you building? What are you building? What are you, what are you building? I'm starting a brand new series today called Picture This. Somebody say, Picture. Come on, that was weak. Come on, somebody say, Picture. Picture this. And what I want to do, I'm, I'm, I'm like, can y'all like listen and pray for me at the same time? Is that cool? Like, I am so pumped about this series, so pumped about this message. I am ready to jump out of my skin because I believe that God has so much in store for your life this year. He is going to blow your mind. Somebody say a Man, I was thinking about how to make this illustration, and it made me think of a, uh, a tradition that my family and I uh, had during the holidays. Every holiday season, uh, my dad would go out, and he would buy like a 5,000-piece puzzle. 
Any, any puzzle makers, puzzle, come on, God bless you. The anointed of the Lord is on your heart. You know, they say, come on up. They say people who assemble puzzles are, are 37.6% more intelligent than the, I'm making this up, but it sounds really, I like it, I like it, I like it. But my dad, he would go out and he would buy, this, this is only a thousand piece puzzle. This is like a rookie uh, puzzle set, but he would go out and he would buy a puzzle and, and we would open it on Thanksgiving. After Thanksgiving dinner, we would open it and he would get this big kind of cardboard piece and, and we, we, we'd dump out all the pieces. Uh, this is actually a, uh, hopefully I don't lose these because I plan on building this when I'm done preaching, but uh, we would dump out all the pieces and, and what we would do is we would take the cover of the box and we would just kind of prop it up somewhere that we could see it. And then we would start going, any puzzle makers, you know how to do this, right? You first, you start divide. Come on now, you already know. You got to divide out all the pieces. You take all the turquoise and you put them over with the turquoise. And then you grab the orange and you put it with the orange. And the, okay, this is not working. Yellow with the yellow. And then you wouldn't just kind of grab the pieces, but then you would grab the borders, the one that had the flat parts. And come on now, y'all feeling the presence of God. And this, you, you would grab all the borders and you'd put the borders to one side and the blues to the other side, and you'd begin to assemble everything because you're trying to build what's on the cover of the box. For those of y'all that are in 2020, but your vision is 2012, uh, this is a turtle. <laughs> Look, it's a new year, but I'm still the shady preacher you knew from 2019. <laughs> it's kind of like a big old ignorant little turtle on the front of it and fish and a whole lot of blue and all that other good stuff. But, but essentially, you would try to build what was on the cover of this box. And you would look at the picture and based on the pieces that you had over a process of time, you would be assembling the picture that you were looking at. I've discovered that life works in a similar way. That you may have an area of your life that you want to build. Maybe you're desiring a great marriage, or maybe you're desiring great finances, or maybe you're desiring to be a godly person. Well, I've decided that all those different things that we're desiring, they don't come like this. They come like this. You, you know what I mean? This is a great marriage. <laughs> they're, they're <laughs> This ain't the marriage series. Don't mess with me. That's February. But you know, there's a communication piece, and there's a love piece, and there's a piece of vision and, and respect and honor and selflessness and all that other good stuff. And you can have all the right pieces, but if you don't know how to put it together, <laughs> somebody said, that's what my marriage looks like. Finances are like this. Come on now. You don't just wake up rich one day. There's, there's pieces to it. There's an income piece. There's a budgeting piece. There's an investing piece. There's a savings piece. There's an insurance piece so that my savings don't get depleted. There's, there, there's all these different pieces. There, there's pieces to your spiritual life. There, there's the faith piece. There's the wisdom piece, there's the prayer piece, there's the fasting piece, and these pieces fit together to build a great picture. The only problem is, if you don't know how the pieces fit together, you can have nothing but a handful of potential. But frustration. You, you ever been in a position where you saw something that could become something? This could be great. 
If I, any shoppers in here? Come on out. You ever been online because nobody goes to the mall anymore? And you see a top or you see a pair of shoes or whatever? This is the beginning of an amazing outfit. If I could just figure out what else to put with this. But here's the thing. Puzzles don't come with instructions. I almost feel like marriage doesn't come with instructions. You know, that preacher, they get up there and they lie to you. They tell you the two has become one. <laughs> and then you go home and after your first argument, you're like, no, we still two. <laughs> this isn't one. But here's what a puzzle comes with. It comes with a picture. And as long as you're following the picture and you're assembling the pieces that you have according to the picture that you're looking at, at some point, the pieces that you have are going to become the picture that you're looking at. The only problem is if you don't have a picture, you're pretty much never going to assemble that piece. In this passage that we read about Jacob, Jacob, Jacob was a shrewd guy. Jacob was a liar. Jacob was a swindler. Jacob was a trickster. And one of the things that I've discovered for all the liars in this room, that um, when you surrender your life to Christ and he sanctifies you, he takes the ungodly aspects of you and he makes it godly. So you're going to find for all of you recovering liars that um, when God saves you and sanctifies you, you're no longer a liar, but there still is a shrewdness to you. You know what I mean? Everybody was like, I wasn't born yesterday. You have to wake up a little bit earlier in the morning to pull one on me. Jacob was one of those. And Jacob worked for his uncle, a man by the name of Laban. And Laban was the ultimate liar, the ultimate trickster. Laban tricked Jacob into working for him for free for 14 years. You could go back and read it in Genesis 28, 29, and 30, but, but what happened is Jacob fell in love with Laban's daughter, Rachel, and he said, oh, you want my daughter? Great. You have to buy her from me, but you're broke. So here's what you need to do. You need to work for me for seven years for free, and then I'll let you marry my daughter. That chick must have been foin. <laughs> Because this brother worked for seven years just to be able to marry her. Well, he worked for seven years, got to the wedding night. This is a crazy story that you can only find in the Bible. I don't know what happened, but he got some type of tipsy. Because when he woke up in the morning next to his bride, it wasn't Rachel. It was her older sister, Leah. He said, Pastor, everybody's beautiful. Well, the Bible called her dull-eyed. So you can, you can take that whichever way you want. <laughs> But he ended up with the older sister, Leah, and had to work another seven years just for the bride that he wanted. So 14 years for free. After the 14 years, Jacob said, listen, I've done my time. I've gotten my wives. I'm out. The only thing is the favor of God was on Jacob's life. So Laban said, I can't let you go because I've gotten rich just by you being around. This is just a slight, a slight detour. How much of a blessing are you to your boss or your client? Are you the type of person where they want to keep you around because the favor of God is so on your life? Everywhere you go grows. Everywhere you go prospers. Somebody say, that's what I want in my life. So Laban said this. Here's what we'll do. Here's what, we'll do. Here's what your payment will be. Every lamb or sheep that is speckled, spotted, or streaked will be your payment. And every lamb that is white belongs to me. Every solid colored lamb is mine. Every speckled, streaked, or spotted lamb belongs to you. 
How many people you've ever seen a lamb? Come on, lamb chops, you watch television, something like that. Yeah. Uh, what color are sheep? What color are lambs? White, gray, brown. <laughs> they ain't spotted. That's a leopard. <laughs> In other words, Laban was saying, by the crazy chance, one out of every 200 sheep comes out spotted and speckled. And, and literally, they would see that as imperfections. He said, I'll give you all the imperfection, all the leftover, all the slops. How many people know with a little bit of wisdom, you can do something with some leftovers? I don't need a silver spoon. I don't need you to open the door all the way. Just give me a crack. If I can get my toe in the door, I can do something with that. So here's what Jacob did. He went and basically he got a tree and he put streaks and spots on it. And he would put that in front of the trough where the animals would drink and where they would mate. And every time the strong animals would come, he would put up the streaked and the spotted and the, and, and the speckled piece of wood and they would stare at it. And what would they produce? Come on now. And then every time the weak, you know, the little crazy, you know, sheep that keep on running off of cliffs and all that kind of stuff, every time those sheep would show up, he would remove the specks and the spotted, and they would produce the white lambs. So over a matter of time, Laban's whole herd began to produce nothing but strong, speckled, spotted, and streaked sheep, and weak, solid-colored sheep. Let's just think about it. Like, this is in the Bible which means this is okay. <laughs> this guy was a genius. And over time, he became outrageously wealthy. Now, on first glance, you would think, well, the sheep were looking at specks and streaks and spots, so they were producing what they were looking at. Kind of makes sense, right? Here's the thing. Sheep don't have souls. Sheep don't have a spirit. Sheep don't have faith. As a sheep thinks, doesn't matter. <laughs> because sheep aren't spiritual. Those sheep weren't producing streaks and spotted and, and speckled sheep because they were staring at it. They were producing it because Jacob was staring at it. The Bible says, as a man or a woman, as you think in your heart, the primary image in your mind is what your life is going to produce. Hear me, hear me, hear me. And here is the premise of the entire series, that your life will produce what you stare at. The picture that you have in front of you is what your life is going to produce. And you kind of know me. I like to kind of come hard and just give it to you direct, especially the first Sunday of the year. Here's the deal. Here's the thought. Many of us are believing God for things in our life that we have no picture of. Like we're dreaming of it. You know, it would be nice to be financially free, to, to have no financial issues. That'd be a nice idea. But can you truly see yourself debt-free? Can you see your paycheck coming in and you not having a car payment, not having a credit card to pay off, not even having a mortgage payment, like you're keeping it all? Not like, not, not like oh, that would be nice. Can you see yourself there? Hmm? Man, I would love if, you know, if our marriage was just one that was full of joy, full of, full of peace, that if we, you know, finished each other's sentences and, and, you know, this and that and all that other kind of stuff. You know, that's a fantasy. 
but can you see not a marriage, your marriage, not a spouse, your spouse, forget your spouse, you, can, can, can you see yourself that way? One of the things that I've discovered is for so many of us, we're going after certain things that we don't even know what it looks like, more or less, to fantasize about it. For, for example, everybody in this room, you desire to be more godly. You desire to be more spiritual. What does that look like? You, you know what I mean? Does that mean you know more Bible? Does that mean you have perfect church attendance? Does that mean you become a missionary? Like, like some of us, we have this picture of godliness, of that like super spiritual person that they have a Bible verse for everything. You know, my car, my car tank was on E and I was about to stop at this gas station and, and I did it. I just kept on going. You know what? About two miles later, I found another gas station that's 25 cents less than when I was, I'm telling you, man makes plans, but God orders his steps. <laughs> yeah, I, I was hungry, so I ran into the mall real quick and just ran to the food court real quick. And I saw that Macy's had a 30% off sale. All things, I mean all things, work together for the good of those who love. <laughs> you know those people, they got a Bible verse for everything. Sir, how would you like your steak? Well, Leviticus says that you should not eat any meat with the lifeblood still in it. But I am under the new covenant. I have been redeemed by God, so I will take mine medium rare. Thank you. <laughs> like... What does it look like to be more godly? Like, 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 listen, God, I want more of you. What does that look like? Because without a picture, without a that's what I'm going after, without a that's the destination, you're, you're, you're stumbling around in the dark. And you'll never know when you arrive there. This is more kind of just practical self-help kind of in that world. But anybody who, who set goals and you, you, you kind of planned out your year, we're going to save this much money or we're going to lose this much weight or for those of us gain this much weight or whatever. Don't laugh. That's not funny. Whatever your plan is for 2020, they said a goal is not a goal unless it is measurable and trackable. In other words, I don't want to, I want to lose weight this year. That's not a goal. I want to lose five pounds, 10 pounds, 30 pounds. That's a goal. The goal, I'm trying to save money this year. No, that's not a goal. How much? 2,000, 5,000, 10,000. So like if it's not trackable, if it's not tangible, it's not a real goal. Listen to me. If you don't have a picture for it, it's a fantasy. And what I want to do over these next four weeks is I want to help you take things from fantasy place to actually I have a vision from God for this area of my life, and I'm going to see him bring it to pass. So here's my question for you. What puzzle are you building in 2020? What, what specific areas of your life are you saying at the end of this year, I would have prospered? Meaning, I'm not going to be here anymore. I would have moved forward. Our marriage is going to move forward this year. My career is going to move forward this year. My faith is going to move forward this year. My finances are going to move forward this year. I'm believing that God is going to move me forward in this area, and I know what that looks like. I'm going to give you just three quick thoughts, three quick thoughts of how to build the, the, the puzzle of life, the, the area that you're focusing on. The first thing is this, every puzzle, every puzzle, every single puzzle has a 
picture. Every puzzle. You, you will not buy a puzzle with a blank picture on the front. I, I heard a story about a dad who, who, who was home uh, with, with, with his six-year-old son, and, and he was taking a nap, and the son was watching TV, and anybody who's been taking a nap while your kids are watching TV, you know you got to pick the length of the show. Because if you pick one of those dumb 30-minute shows, they are coming back 30 minutes later. You are looking for the sound of music, you know, Gone with the Wind, end games. Give me that three-hour, 32-minute movie. I'll be back later. This dad wasn't that bright. So he's picking a 30-minute movie, and his son keeps coming back over and over and over again. Finally, he grabs a magazine pulls a page out of the magazine, rips it up and says, here, son, go home, or or not go home, but go over there and assemble this and come back when you've assembled this. He figured there's no way he's going to assemble this. About five minutes later, the kid comes back and he says, dad, here it is. And sure enough, it was perfect. And he's like, I think my son is a genius. How in the world did you do this? He said, oh, there was a globe on the back of it. I just assembled it based on the Everything in life has a picture. The thing is, you need to know where to look. If there is an area that you are looking to build in your life, you need to find a godly example of what that looks like. I'm looking to build a great marriage. Well, you need to find a godly marriage that you can emulate. I'm looking to build a great business. You need to find a successful business that you're looking to emulate. I'm trying to be more godly. You need to find a godly person that you can emulate. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 says this, follow my example. This is Paul talking. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. The entire point that I'm coming to church is to worship God, is to honor God, and to get a godly picture for different areas of my life of what that should look like. Now, I'll tell you this, there's certain things like business or whatever it may be that they may not necessarily be Christians, but if they're successful, they're using godly principles. Now, I'm not talking about the appearance of success. I'm not talking about they're a millionaire, but their wife left them, their kids hate them, they're drug addicts or whatever it may be. No, no, no. If it is true success, if it's integral success, they have used biblical principles to build what they've built. The problem is for so many of us, not only do we not have godly examples, but actually the only picture that we do have is ungodly examples. Maybe the only marriages that you've ever seen was ones that were filled with frustration and bickering. Two different people trying to hold on to their identity instead of trying to figure out why God brought them together to build something great. Maybe the only picture of finances that you ever saw was, as long as I have enough to make it to the end of the month and to celebrate and have a good time, mama, I've made it. Or your picture has looked like wealth, but it's not really wealth. You know, some people, their their financial picture is, I can't wait to buy my favorite car. And I can't wait to live in that huge house and to be able to wear whatever I want to wear. Can I tell you what that really looks like? I can't wait to have so many payments that everybody around me thinks that I'm balling and I'm balding because I'm pulling my hair out every single night of how am I going to pay this? How am I going to pay that? How? We have these, these pictures that are not true visions. They're ungodly. And then can I talk a little bit? Then we add ungodly entertainment. Everybody's desperate housewife and 
this hotline of this and this, that, and all this other kind of thing. We say, hey, I'm stressed out. I work really hard. I've had a long day or whatever it may be. I'm just trying to unwind. You're not unwinding. You're putting a picture in front of your face. He's preaching. And then you wonder why that's the direction that your life takes. Huh? What are you? The Bible says this in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand my, come on, I will stand my, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. What's a rampart? A rampart is the outlook tower on a safety wall. And Habakkuk the prophet, he says, it's my job to stand at the edge of everything God's given me and to watch. I'm going to stand my watch to see what he will say. That don't even make sense. You can't see words. Habakkuk said, no, no, God speaks in pictures. He's going to give me an image. He said, I'm going to see what he will say and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. That's the whole point of this 21 days of prayer and fasting. We are standing at the edge of all that God has given us to watch and to see what he's going to say so that we can get a vision for this year that we can make practical, have real steps to it, and to take off running to see it come to pass. Can, can I just tell you how I do this in my life? I'll, I'll give you an example. This is how I built this church. Like when I became the senior pastor of this church, the church was probably about 50 people. This was actually coming up on nine years ago. I was ordained on January 31st, 2011, became the senior pastor. It was about 50 people. And from day one, even before I became the pastor, I started to look for other churches that were larger. And I began to watch to see how they operated. How did they preach? How did they interact? How did they disciple people? What did worship look like? What buildings were they in? How did they use their... I began to pick that thing apart and just stare at it to get a picture in my mind. How many people have seen something that somebody else had? And as you were looking at it, you said, I would do it differently. Anybody? Come on now. Come on, tell truth, tell truth, tell truth. If you're not raising your hand, you're lying in 2020. And when God sanctifies you, you're going to be a very, very persuasive person. <laughs> like we all do it. Like from people's outfit to their house to their speech. Like, Man, that's cool. But if that was me, I would do it differently. And one of the things that I've discovered is some people, you're so focused on being unique that you can't learn from anyone. Here's what Habakkuk said. He says, I'm going to watch to see what God is saying, then I'm going to take it to him so that he can correct it. So here's what I did. I went and I watched a whole bunch of other churches of what they were doing. Here's the only thing. Those pastors are those pastors with their DNA. They're not Stephen. God's made me in a unique way. So I took their idea of worship and preaching and, and structure and all that, and then I brought it into prayer. And I said, God, this is what I'm looking at. What did Habakkuk say? God, can you correct my vision? So you need to go out and you need to get a picture of the type of marriage that you want. Here, here's the man that I want to be. Here's the woman that I want to be. Here's the children that I want to raise. Here's the business that I want to have. Here's what I want this to look like. Here's what I want that to look like. I double dog dare you to write it down. 
Like, we're going to have a real practical January. Write the vision and make it plain. But don't run yet. Write it in pencil. That'll preach right there. Write your vision in pencil and then take it into prayer and say, God, can you correct this? God, can you give me the, the, the vision? God, this looks good, but it doesn't look like me. What is it about this business that you've called to be unique to me? What is it about my connect group, about my ministry that you've called to be unique to me? There was this passage that explains fasting and prayer so well. The disciples, they were trying to heal a young boy, and they weren't able to heal him. They tried over and over and over and over again, and it didn't happen. And then when Jesus showed up, they said, Jesus, can you pray for the young boy? Jesus prayed once, and the boy was healed. The disciples were completely embarrassed, and they, they took Jesus aside, and they said, why were we not able to see breakthrough in this area? Jesus said, it's simple, because some breakthrough only comes through prayer and fasting. He said, you didn't pray and fast enough to see breakthrough or healing or to cast the enemy out of that area of your life. Here's the problem that we don't realize, and here's where fasting comes in. Your body has a voice that's constantly speaking to you. Now, we know of the negative self-talk, and you should do this. Oh, don't worry about this. This is a big deal and all that other good stuff. We kind of know about that, but what we don't even realize is your body tells you when to eat. Your body tells you when to feel pain. Your body tells you when you're fatigued. Your body is speaking to you constantly through your nerve endings. And we may not even realize this, but we're so used to hearing our body saying, you're hungry, you're angry, you're tired, you're this, you're this, you're that, that our body's voice is louder than the voice of God. So here's what fasting is. It's silencing the voice of our flesh saying that you no longer are going to be able to speak to me and to drown out the voice of God in my life. Because some of us are running after visions that aren't God's vision. And the Holy Spirit is saying, no, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. But our flesh is saying, oh, that's it. You go for it. You got this. You got And the Holy Spirit is like, that's not it. That's not it. And your flesh, yeah. And what fasting does is it turns your flesh from, yeah, Can I help you as you, you go into this fast? Your body gets louder before it silences. So as you turn down your plate, maybe you're skipping breakfast. Maybe, maybe it's lunch that you're skipping. Maybe it's dinner. Maybe you're removing meat from your menu for the next 21 days. Maybe you're saying, I'm not doing sugar and juices or whatever it may be. Can, can, I, can, I, can I be a preacher for a second? It has to hurt. Huh? Now give me none of these little social media fasts. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just going, I'm going to get off Instagram for 21. Do that too. <laughs> and two, also, plus. <laughs> but do something that makes your flesh scream. Can, can I get more practical? We fast for 21 days. For the first 10 days, normally I don't hear anything from God. All I hear is hunger. <laughs> My stomach, ugh. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you too. So we, we even now. Your, vo your body is lit. You're not really going to starve me, are you? I'm going to die. <laughs> and then after a while, your body's going to be like, oh, well, I guess this is what it is. I'll shut up now. And when your body shuts up is when you begin to hear the Holy Spirit. 
And he begins to say, I've been waiting for this moment. Oh, I got a picture to show you. There's something that I've called you to. So fasting is how we silence the voice of our flesh. But here's what prayer is. Prayer, I don't even know if we do this anymore. Who listens to the radio? Nobody. But if you remember back when you listened to the radio, you had to tune the dial to pick up the frequency. Because if you were a little bit left or a little bit right, all you would hear was static. And for so many of us, we're a little bit left or we're a little bit right of what God is saying in our life. I don't know why I'm on this marriage thing, but I'm having fun right now. Anybody, you've ever been in in an argument with your spouse or a friend or whatever it may be, and you were a little bit right (laughs) or a little bit left? But you were right enough to put your foot down and said, no, I'm right. No, you a little bit right (laughs) or a little bit left, but you're not on the right channel. And here's what prayer is. Prayer is tuning our frequency so that we can hear the voice of God without all the distortion. Can I tell you what prayer is not? Prayer is not trying to convince God to be on your side. He's already on your side. He died on the cross for you to prove to you that he's on your, what else does, he didn't give me the job. He died for you. Hey, boo-boo, he's, he's for you. He is not against you, or he'd have put you up there. <laughs> Prayer is not, God, I want you to do something for me. Prayer is, God, I want to be aligned in what you are doing in my life. Second thing is write this down. Every, every puzzle has a border. So puzzles don't just come with pieces. They come in, I don't know if you can see this, but it has like this flat part, and it literally is the edge of the picture. And my dad taught me this. He said, when you make a puzzle, you dump all the pieces out. The first thing you do, and we'll talk about that next, is you separate all the colors. But when you're finished separating all the colors, you separate everything with a flat edge, and you make the border first. Because if you make the border first and you assemble the border, it will tell you in what parameters you're working in. And when you know what parameters you're working in, it actually accelerates and does not restrict you. We live in a society and a culture where we want no borders. Don't tell me what to do. Don't give me any boundaries. Don't give me any rules. I'm going to, this is really what it is. I want to listen to my flesh every time it speaks. I just want to do whatever feels right. I, I have a friend who has a friend who's loaded. <laughs> I mean like billionaire type loaded. And this guy has over 300 antique and exotic cars to the point where he built his own car museum just to house all of his cars. And he ended up having a, a connection with Porsche and they built a racetrack in the back of his museum and they literally have the Porsche racing experience and they race these cars behind his museum. Well, you know, a friend of a friend with something really cool like that is like, hey, could you hook a brother up? So guess who got to go racing Porsches around a track at 130, 140, 150 miles per hour? Now, the stinky thing is they didn't let me drive. They put me in the passenger seat and they had a professional drive it, but it was still crazy. And as we're sitting in this car and we're racing 911s and Panameras and Cayennes and all this other kind of stuff, the professional driver is talking me through his thought process. And he says, every racetrack has a line. He said, obviously, there's paved roads and there's grass on the other side. But he says, you don't want to stay anywhere in the paved road. You want to stay on a specific line. 
And the whole point of having trial runs and all that is to learn the line of the track. Because he said the line of the track, first and foremost, is the shortest distance to the finish line. He said, if I go way out here or I go way out here, it's going to prolong my race by milliseconds. But those milliseconds could be the difference between me losing this race. He said, not only that, when I find the perfect line, I don't have to break too long and I can accelerate the quickest. They've discovered that the more boundaries they place in their life, the faster they can go. Now, the world has given us the opposite mindset that the more restricted I am, the more boundaries I have, the more I'm held back from fun and experiencing life and all that other good stuff. Can I be honest with you? The less boundaries you live in with life, the more time you're going to be overdoing things and having to go back and track back this and track. Let me just talk about Stephen for a second. The more you talk, the more you have to go back and apologize. (laughs) The Bible says even quiet people are considered wise. (laughs) Oh, he's a wise guy. No, he just doesn't talk. The Bible says that when we live with, I'll give it to you in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Hmm. Hmm? Y'all got that? Y'all got that? Blessed are people who don't take advice from ungodly friends nor stands in the path of sinners. I don't do what they do. I just hang with them. I'm just reading the verse. You're not arguing with me. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. You know what a scornful person is? It's a person that is constantly negative and tearing down everything around them. There's bitterness in their heart, and they're just constantly, oh, I can't, this is horrible, and that's horrible, and this is bad, and this is, I don't sit with those people. But his delight is in the law, uh uh-oh, the law of the Lord. And his law, he meditates day and night. Boy, that's that's convicting right there. How much time do I spend meditating on God's word? Not, 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 not random verses. How much time do I spend meditating on the boundaries for marriage? How many times, how much time do I spend meditating? The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, that it is the Lord that enables one to build wealth. If you want to build wealth, how much time do you spend meditating on God's word, what he says? Not on prayer. You ain't trying to build prayer. You're trying to build wealth. How much time do you spend, Huh? I can't talk just for a second. It's amazing how we want God to do great things in particular areas of our life. But we over here reading about something that has nothing to do with what we're believing him for. He said, I've given you. Okay, read on. Here we go. He shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever, somebody say whatever. Whatever he does, prosper. You ever heard that fable about that person, Midas, that everything he does, touched, everything he touches turns to gold? That, that, that's a fable. That's not true. But here's what the Bible says. That if you would apply God's word, you would meditate on God's word, you would make God's word the boundaries of your life, everything you touch will move forward. In, in, in your seat, you got this, this, this prayer journal. This isn't just for the 21 days. This is for the entire year. 
in here are prayer guides that you can follow throughout 2020. In the middle, you can write down specific areas. I'm believing for God to build this area of my life. But in the back of it is a one-year Bible reading plan. And basically what that does is any day that you're on, you can find that day on the calendar in the Bible reading plan and say, man, this is what I'm going to read to give me something to meditate on. Here's what I promise you. If you'll meditate on God's Word every day, every single day you'll prosper. Every single day you'll move more forward than you were the day before. Last thing is this. Sean, you could come play. We're going to land this plane. Every puzzle has a process. Every puzzle, every puzzle has a problem. You don't just dump out pieces. Now, uh, let me clean this up a little bit. When I said my family had a tradition, what I really meant was that my father had a tradition. <laughs> he would get a puzzle. He would open it. He would kind of put all the pieces out. And as us kids, we would come and we'd grab like three or four pieces. And then after that, we'd go off and play. We'd watch TV or whatever it may be. We'd go to sleep that night. And when we woke up in the morning, the puzzle was a little bit more formed than it was the day before. And he would build it throughout the time. And then our job was we would just put in like the last three pieces on Christmas Eve when it was all done. I've discovered that's what many people want life to be like. I don't really want to work it. Hmm? I don't really want to put the time in. I don't really want to put the effort in. I just want it to appear. It doesn't work that way. It's a process. Divide the pieces. Find the border. Do this color first and then that color and this color and that color. And here's the thing. So many of us are trying to build a picture in our life and we don't know the process to it. Not only do we not know the process to it, but for some of us, we've reached certain places skipping steps in the process. So we're missing the foundation that we need to build the picture that God's called us to build. You have to be willing to go with his process. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11, riches gotten quickly will dwindle, but those who acquire them gradually become wealthy. Boy, I wish somebody would write me a check for a million dollars. No, actually, you probably don't. Because the Bible says it'll probably be gone as fast as it came. Because if you didn't build it, you're probably not going to know how to keep it. But if you would go the slow route, the, the small, hey, step by step by step, God says you'll be the one writing the check for a million dollars. You'll, because you'll know how to build. We overestimate what God can do in a short amount of time. And when he doesn't do everything we want him to do in a short amount of time, we give up. But we underestimate what he can do over a long amount of time. I'm telling you, even if he doesn't do it in the next 21 days, he's still going to blow your mind over the next 12 months. Let's not enter this fast into, fasting is not twisting God's arm behind us back, saying you have three weeks to do for me what I'm asking you to do. Fasting and pray is, God, I am going after you. I'm creating space in my life for you to speak to me. I'm quieting my flesh and I'm tuning my ear to what you're saying. And God, as you give me clarity to this vision, I'm going to run every single day of this month, and I'm going to see it come to pass in my life. So I have a question that your pastor probably never asked you before, but I'm your pastor now, so I'm going to ask you. Are you about it? Yeah. 
are you serious? Are you going to play games this year? Are you going to talk about it? Or are you saying, I want to see God do something supernatural in this area of my life, and I'm going to run after him like I've never ran after him, and I'm going to see clarity and a picture of how to build this area of my life. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful. God, that you're a God who speaks. You said that we are your sheep. And God, that we hear your voice. So God, as we start this fast today, God, we're praying that you would help us, give us the strength, God, to quiet our voice in our hearts and to tune our ears to you. Right where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, as we say every time, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. I encourage you, even as you go home, to think about specific areas that I want to see God build in my life this year. Maybe you're in here and you realize on this first Sunday of the year that you don't have a true relationship with God. Your picture of spirituality was going to church and trying to be good. Spirituality is not trying to be good. Spirituality is knowing the one who is good. That's our Savior who died on the cross so that we wouldn't have to. So if you're in here and you say, Pastor, to be honest, I can't say that I have a personal relationship with God. And honestly, I don't even know what that looks like. But I want Christ in my life. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. If that's you, you can start that journey right now. Right where you're sitting, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you that even before I saw you, you loved me. You hung on a cross and died so that my sins, so that my mistakes can be erased. Today, I give you my life. I make you my Lord and my Savior. Give me a picture of what it means to be a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate with every single person that just made the greatest decision you could ever make in your life? Thanks again for tuning into this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.